Hello, and welcome to the Intellectual Dark Web. I'm your Grandmaster Daddy, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. And we're here to talk about how they won't let my son throw snowballs in elementary school because they're afraid he's going to grow up to be too masculine like his father. Hey, Jordan, hey, get, get out of here. No, you can never defeat me. I'll be back, you beta cucks. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Somehow Jordan B. Peterson found his way onto our podcast. I, uh, I don't I know. I guess he heard we were covering Unfriended Dark Web today and thought we were calling his name. Man, I guess so. Shit, I don't even know how he got into the house. He's a, he's a slippery little devil, isn't he? Well, um, this is the pod people. You know who it is. Uh, I'm Matisse Van Rossum. And I'm Ben Sheets, Elite Taxor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have spent all day hacking into the dark web, trying to... What? Buy drugs. Buy drugs? And, uh, not... Not... Child porn? Not child porn. <laughs> and, yeah, like Ben said, we're coming at you with a review of the new unfriended film, The Dark Web. We covered the first one on our second episode. Uh, way, way back. All about the internet, interwebs, and whore. And this movie... Is it a Blumhouse? I think it is a Blumhouse. It is a Blumhouse. It's a Blumhouse I know that movie. specifically because they were advertising it on Twitter as, quote, the most evil film that Blumhouse has ever made. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> I mean, at least they didn't call it Blumhouse's Unfriended Dark Web. Yeah, at least they didn't do that. Um, yeah, we, we talked about the first one way back, almost a year ago now, and we gave it a generally positive review. Not great, but has some fun parts, and honestly, I, I feel pretty much the same about this movie. I... Maybe a little, maybe it's a little I bit better. I like this one a lot more than the first one, personally. I think, I think I like it better, too. But I don't know if I would say I like it a lot more. It's better executed in every respect. It fixes a lot of the problems I had with the first one in really clever ways. I thought all the acting was pretty solid. I mean, they had a lot of pretty good actors yeah, in this movie. Yeah, well, they they actually had actors in this one who have been in stuff. Yeah. Most of the actors in this movie have done stints on TV shows. Um, I think a couple of them were on some CW show. Uh, Georgina from Get Out is in it. What I do appreciate about this one is it's not about the shitty pants ghost from the first one. Yes. And it was originally going to be. Oh, the, really? The I didn't first, hear about that. The first draft of the script was about uh, shitty pants ghost girl from the first unfriended ghost hacking her way into a Skype session of some teenagers having an online game night. It was originally titled Unfriended Game Night, but then they changed it because there was that other movie that came out called Game Night. Yeah. Uh, much funnier than this movie. <laughs> I didn't see it. But yeah, this movie, uh, the script seemed a lot more solid than the first one. Every aspect, I think, was executed more successfully. They definitely kept it more grounded in reality. Um, there's nothing decisively supernatural in this movie. I thought that it might be supernatural for a while, but there's no internet ghost in this one. Um, instead, it's just an evil dark web internet cabal, evil chat room that exchanges videos of people dying in horrible ways. Yeah, like a snuff trade. Yeah. I think the, the premise, because it was more grounded, worked a lot better. They definitely utilized their gimmick better, I think. The the whole uh, film just being a, a screen cap. I, I, I think they did more interesting things with us 
seeing the story just from people's computer screens than they did in the first one. And I think unlike the first one where the story of the first one could have been done without being solely on the computer, I think this one is a story built for its medium more. Yes, I will for sure agree with that. I think I don't think this would work if it was done as a, a traditional narrative. Especially not at the length it's at. I think yeah. having it directly on the computer streamlines a lot of things that you would have to really complicate if you were doing it as a traditional movie. Yeah. So the basic premise is the main character has a new laptop that he claims he bought off of Craigslist but actually stole from an internet cafe. And when he's having a a Skype game night with some of his friends, he starts to discover weird things on the computer and ends up getting them all wrapped up in the dark web. I think that's a good basic summary. Yeah. I really like that concept. He gets a new laptop, and he has a motivation for doing it, too. Yes. Um, his girlfriend is deaf, so he's trying to build a program to be able to have kind of a speech-to-sign language translator. Yeah. But his old computer apparently wasn't running fast enough to use it effectively. So he got a new computer, and shit kind of goes awry because of that. Right. Um, uh, yeah, like like I said, he's telling his friends at first that he bought this computer off of Craigslist, but he later reveals that it was sitting in the lost and found of an internet cafe for weeks. And Didn't so he say he, he worked at that it. internet cafe, too? Uh, he... He was not employed there. He was working on his program there oh, because okay. he needed a better computer. So he was doing his work at the internet cafe. Um, Got it. Eventually, the computer's actual owner starts contacting him, trying to get it back under the threat of if he doesn't, he's going to kill his girlfriend. Yeah, which I think is a really cool motivation. And the the way they show the the evil villain is interesting because it feels a little out there, but in reality you can buy like tags on your clothes to make yourself unidentifiable to cameras. Right. We we see him breaking into uh the main character's girlfriend's house and he's like webcam. a glitched out blob. Right. Anytime he comes on screen, it creates, like, mad internet interference, which is visually very cool. I'm, I was super into that. Uh, it was that not being explained for a while, or I guess it wasn't explained at all, but at that point in the movie is when I thought there still was definitely something supernatural going on, but... By the end of the movie, like, you're right. You can get those tags that will, like, basically glitch you out to to cameras. Um, and considering that this villain is uh, a dark web hacker, it, you know, it's feasible. Yeah. Of course, like, one of the tropes that this movie does still fall into is that one of the characters is, of course, like, a programmer and knows everything about computers. I, I like that that character was also the conspiracy theorist, way too online Illuminati. Nah, I'm talking about... Oh, wait, about, the other one. Okay, I'm talking yeah, about the, yeah, yeah. the British guy. Yeah, they were both really into computers, but that one uh, was more grounded, for Right, sure. he, was, he was more, like, the technical aspect... The conspiracy theorist guy is more like how to keep yourself off the grid kind of computer guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they you know they have the the computer savvy character. So you know the the protagonists have a means of somewhat fighting back against the evil dark web hackers so like that that didn't bother me too much they get into this whole mess because 
the guy who stole the computer realizes that the hard drive is almost completely full, even though he can't find any files. So the programmer guy tells him how to reveal hidden files, and he finds a folder full of almost a terabyte of like weird videos of like from what's supposed to be from people's webcams but it's it looks more like security footage because of like the angles of the cameras well yeah and some of it is just like how are you getting any of this footage I right mean, that's one of the more implausible I mean, things you think you know like laptops and phones and Lots of devices nowadays have cameras in it, so, like, some of them are plausible, but some of them you just had, like, random high-angle shots where, like, no one... No one would have a computer there. Or a webcam. Or a webcam Or a security camera, even. No, it's that's just totally brushed off. They're like, oh, hackers can hack your webcam and turn the indicator light off so you don't even know that it's on. That's why you should always cover your webcam when you're not using it. That and so the government doesn't see you jerking off. I I didn't buy that at all. I always hear people use that argument, you know, like, the government's gonna see you jerk off and stuff, but it's like, how awful of a job would it be to work for the government and to spy on people and have to watch all this mundane shit? As far as I'm concerned, let the government watch me jerk off. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Like, if you stumble across that, either too bad for you or yay for you i don't care i i I, this is sort of a tangent but i remember an episode of shark tank where a guy came on with and his invention is just a little piece of plastic that you slip on top of your webcam and all the sharks were just like i can do that with a sticky note this is useless yeah yeah i i remember that that was asking for a lot of he was asking for a shitload of money (laughs) For something that you can literally do with a piece of tape. Um, uh, More importantly, they find a folder inside of that folder, that hidden folder, of, like, kidnapped people and, like, snuff-looking films. Murders and kidnappings and stuff like that. Then the computer gets a message from some mysterious person... Asking if they still do commissions and they want something very specific. So then our characters who are honestly way too curious start delving into that and then get themselves caught up in the actual dark web. Which, like, the entire problem of this movie would have been solved if weird shit started happening. They're just like, okay, nope. (laughs) Yeah, let's call the police. Let's call the police and or let's just do a full system reset and get everything off this computer. (laughs) Like, that would have solved everybody's problems, but no, they have to start snooping into other people's business. Yeah. When the dude got the computer, too, he was already logged into Facebook onto a... Nora sees uh, yeah Nora C the fourth yeah her uh Facebook and he keeps getting various messages from a bunch of people even when he's logged the main character is logged into his own account account he was still getting those messages still pop up and it turns out Nora C is Charon backwards and Charon is like the thing that all of the dark web people call themselves in their ring yeah sharon is for those who don't know that in greek mythology the ferryman for the undead who takes the souls across the river Styx into the underworld and this particular dark web chat room i guess or whatever where they exchange snuff films and shit is called the river And they all are named Sharon, followed by a number. Yeah, and I thought that was really clever, actually. I liked that, too. Um, I thought that was really cleverly done. Um, It wasn't too in-your-face. And I didn't even think about it until a character mentioned it. Um, Uh, Yeah, I, I almost wish they 
hadn't explained the significance of that because that seems like something where I would have rather had it be like you get it or you don't. It's yeah. not that important. Well, there were a couple of times where they, they also do that with the seventeen-year-old girl that was kidnapped, where uh, the kidnapper was using her Facebook profile to message, to message the his guy. own yeah. account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was really clever as well. Yeah, I I liked all that stuff that they were doing, and their depiction of the dark web felt realistic. It didn't feel too over the top, like the the fucking like background for the river or whatever looks like it was made in Minecraft. Yeah, uh, I I thought that stuff was really good. I do think they overexplained some stuff. Uh, like how the the main character has to keep pulling up Wikipedia, which I guess is somewhat realistic, but I was just like, don't. I mean, this movie is made for dumb people, so yeah. I can't I can't fault them too much for over explaining everything. But I think it would have been better if they had trusted their audience. Well, I, I think this movie is already a lot smarter than the first one. I, yeah, I can agree with that. I don't know. If going even smarter than they did would have gotten them much more returns, maybe you know? not. But I think I would have I would have enjoyed it better because I went into this movie expecting dumb schlock, and it's not really it's not really schlocky at all. Honestly, yeah, which no, was the most wasn't. surprising thing to me. What I like about it too is that. A lot of the kills were much more creative than the first oh, one. Oh, yeah, man. I love the all of the kills in this movie. They use, like, video footage to kind of splice together elaborate kills for each one of them, one by one. Right. Well, what, what sets that up is eventually Sharon Four, who, the comp- who is the computer's owner, gets in contact with the main character and is like look they they know that i lost the computer if they find out you have it like they're going to kill us all like i need the computer back uh just give it back to me i won't kill your girlfriend and the main character for insurance purposes cuz he grows a conscience transfers 10 million dollars worth of bitcoin from this guy's account into his own to hold as ransom for the return of the most recent kidnapping victim yeah the one, 17 one funny thing about that this is really semantic and nitpicky but this movie said in 2018 and apparently bitcoin is supposed to be like 600 dollars a bitcoin but right now it's like 8000 and it has been throughout the whole year. So instead of like $10 million, that would have been like over $100 million. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which maybe is, uh, a lot more. Maybe when they filmed it, Bitcoin was still low. Yes, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, like stealing $100 million for security is much more drastic. <laughs> I mean, $10 million is a lot of fucking money. Yes. It's still a shitload, but that's beside the point. At this point, now we have the entire snuff cabal basically uh, using very clever hacking tricks to arrange the deaths of all of these people, all, the whole group of friends. And they do some really interesting stuff. Like, the the conspiracy theorist guy has, like, a podcast where he basically just rails against how untrustworthy the government is. Wake so, up, sheeple! Wake up, sheeple! So they splice together uh, a bunch of sound bites from his podcast and call the police that make it sound like he's going to go to the mall with an assault rifle and shoot a bunch of people. Yeah, they essentially just swat him. They they do. They swat him, which is, 
I thought that was really clever because that crazy shit actually happens. When the, the SWAT team shows up, they they crank up his speakers and play a sound bite of a shotgun cocking. So the police think he has a gun and they just blast him. And I really liked that. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. They do a really good job of killing all of these people remotely without, like, actually being involved for the most part. A couple of people are, like, physically killed by, like, the agents. Yeah, like, pushed off the roof. Pushed off the roof. Um, The one girl, uh, Georgina, is pushed onto a subway platform. Well, one thing I, I... One aspect of that stuff that I thought was really interesting was how, for the first half of the movie, the main character had to ensure that none of them got off their webcam or else they would get killed. Right. Right? Uh, And for the most part, he was making up elaborate excuses. Right. At this point, only he knows what's happening. Yeah. And he wasn't allowed to tell anyone either. He was showing them screen sharing the stuff that he found on the computer. But once he started getting contacted by Sharon Four, it was like, you can't tell them what's happening. You got to make sure they all stay on the call. If anybody leaves or calls the police or you tell them what's going on, then I'm going to kill your girlfriend. Yeah. So he just immediately says it's all an ARG game that he's working on. I thought that was so clever. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. And, like, what a good lie to come up with on the spot. Yeah. (laughs) And it's it's plausible, too, because we already know that he has at least a certain degree of... Of coding coding skills, because he's been developing that... uh, text-to-sign program so he can talk with his girlfriend better. Uh, so, like, all of his friends buy it. The the one programmer is, like, super impressed. He wants to know, how did you do it? Like, what are, what are like, some of the details? Like, what if we had reacted differently? Where would it have gone? But then, like, Georgina and her girlfriend are like, that's really fucked up. Like, why would you do that? Like, it's not funny. So I I thought that was a really interesting plot mechanic. I almost wish that they had carried that on longer because they kind of abandoned it after like 10 or 15 minutes. Well, they do do something interesting with it once they do shift to, you know, tell the whole group he convinces his girlfriend to come over and she takes the subway and the underground area where the subway is, there's no Wi-Fi in certain areas. Right. Um, so every time they lose connection, Sharon, uh, also loses connection because he's following her. Right. I so thought he, that was cool. Too. He's able to explain to them. And I thought it was really funny how <laughs> they, they, they try to act natural by playing cards against humanity. And like, it's just the least convincing thing. I know ever. they all seem they, like they all, they're all, they're so all just serious. like fucking sweating bullets while they're playing. Yeah. <laughs> like no nobody's into it at all obviously i thought that was really funny yeah, too. i thought that was really well done really a smart way to do it too i i don't have a problem with them abandoning the the fact that the friends don't know because of how they went I, into that they they do a good job of pivoting i just think that it could have been interesting had they kept that mechanic for, uh, for not mechanic, now I'm thinking in terms of games, um, if they had kept that gimmick rolling a little bit longer, where the the main character has to try to figure more out on his own before finally enlisting the help of his friends. But I mean it's only an hour and a half movie. They, I yeah. guess they gotta they gotta keep rolling. Yeah, well in this movie kind of brings it full circle with that alternate reality game in the end spoilers 
um, because, you know, it is all a game night thing that this group of hacker people are in on the whole time. Yes. Uh, I thought it was a little far-fetched that it was, like, 26,000 people watching. Yeah. Well, they they reveal that this laptop was, uh, was bait, that it was purposely left there waiting for somebody to pick it up, and that the entire film is actually a snuff film that they are live-streaming across the dark web, that... It's a game that they're playing with these people that does eventually result in all of their deaths. And I thought that was that was interesting, too. I do agree that it was a bit far-fetched how many people were participating. Yeah. Like, I'll buy a group, but that they're live-streaming to thousands and thousands of people on the dark web all at the same time seemed a little bit... Uh, Got any servers for that shit. Like, yeah. That's a that's a lot of bandwidth. <laughs> um but yeah, no, uh that that idea actually made a few of the problems I had earlier in the film a little more believable, not completely solving some of it, but alleviating some of it. For example, uh at one point in the original snuff films when he kid uh the guy kidnaps the 17-year-old girl, he kind of reveals his face uh, behind his hood for a second. Right, and looks at the camera. Yeah, and later on, the dark web hackers Photoshop the main character's face onto that image. Yeah, their their end game is to frame all of these people for the deaths that happened and all of the kidnappings that have been happening. Yeah, the the photoshopping his face onto Sharon Four's face I thought was uh was clever. Whoever was I, doing that had I mad thought it was a little I, I thought it was a little silly how fast it well, was yeah, <laughs> done. I mean all, but, of, it, all but, of it. But that's the reason why having so many people in on it made it a little more believable. That and, like, how fast the the group was able to find specific things and cut them together from for the each dudes. of the friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To have so many people involved makes the speed at which they did some of their shit uh, much more... Forgivable. Forgivable. And also the fact that the programmer guy is in the UK while everybody else is in California... And they kill him, too. So they have people working worldwide on this. Uh, They hang him in his room and type out a a fake suicide note. And because he's already downloaded all of the videos onto his computer to use as evidence or whatever. Um, But then it just looks like he's the one who is uploading them. So I thought all of that stuff was really interesting, too. My biggest problem with this movie, because we've talked about a lot of the stuff that works, is personally, whenever there was not any of the, the dark web stuff happening, I was insanely bored. I actually disagree. I Maybe it's just the, the medium the story is being told in. But I I think it's original enough that it didn't bother me too much. I can understand how people would be bored through a lot of this movie. I just didn't I didn't find it all that interesting. I thought the acting was good, but I didn't find the characters themselves particularly interesting. Uh, the, the main character was probably the most interesting. I mean, obviously we're seeing it from his computer's perspective, so he's really sort of our vessel, so we know the most about him. I liked him, and I liked the programmer guy in the UK. I found the conspiracy theorist guy pretty obnoxious. He had some funny lines. He was the Ken of this movie. He was really. the Ken, for sure. I don't know. I just found I just found their friendship overall 
pretty uninteresting I, and I didn't care about their backstories I, too I feel much. like the, the characters were much more well-rounded in this movie yeah but we're that's, in a, pretty the, low, that's the, a pretty low bar we're in though. the first movie they were all just straight pretty white high schoolers besides yeah, Ken who were all sh- shitty people yeah at this least one these had, people definitely felt were more, more complex characters and they all had their own motivations and kind of their own lives in a lot of ways. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I just didn't find any of that particularly interesting. In those moments of downtime, I was just kind of like, okay, get me back to the interesting spooky dark web stuff. Like, I want to know more about that. I thought the world building was pretty solid, actually. I think they, they did a decent job of making it feel natural. Um, like every time they go on Facebook, you see different posts from the various friends that the dude has well, that he's talking to. All of all, it just so happens that the top of his news feed is always a post from one of the friends who's in the call. Well, that's kind of how that's kind of how Facebook works. You I know, mean, they always put of. put people you communicate with the most at the top usually. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would. I would have liked to see some some other. I mean, that's such a fucking minor thing, though. Honestly, I I agree that it was all more natural and their world building felt realistic. But sometimes natural is boring. I like, mean, at least they mundane. didn't have a bunch of times where the main character typed something out and then deleted it, right? And then typed something else out, like the first one, you know? I, I thought that was one of the better aspects of the first one, I thought one, it was though. clever, but it I'm definitely, pre- like, stretches stuff out. I'm and glad if they you thought this was boring it. now, like... I'm, gl- I'm, glad they, I'm glad they didn't lean on it in this one. Like, honestly, I, I know the main character's relationship with his girlfriend is very central to this movie especially in terms of motivation but i didn't find any of that interest or any of his like interactions with her particularly interesting like she's a crucial character because like obviously she's sort of being held hostage against her knowledge you know her being deaf and him trying to communicate with her better is the setup for the whole thing so like she's important she needs to be there but i just didn't care too much i i don't know i i went from this movie was kind of an emotional up and down thing for me because I went from being very invested and excited to being really bored back to being really invested again, back to being really bored. So I I think I was I walked out of it wishing that it was a little bit more consistently interesting. I think the the good stuff outweighs the bad largely, but I don't know. I I just I didn't find certain things really intriguing. They didn't hook me like the way other things did. Do you have more examples of like specifically like sequences that didn't work for you? Um, I know it's been a while. It's been a, it's been a few days and the boring stuff was the most forgettable. Yeah. So I'm having a hard time with specific instances. I'm just thinking like a lot of the like mostly watching, the stuff with with the stuff with his girlfriend, yeah, the, like watching the the video that he made about the trip he took with his girlfriend and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, and like the YouTube video, and then how they sort of get into an like he shows her this program, and rather than being excited, she's like pissed off because it's like, oh, this helps me understand you better, but it doesn't help you understand me better. I signed you up for a sign language course, but you didn't take it he's like oh it's because i'm scared of commitment or whatever all of that stuff can just fucking go as far as i'm concerned yeah, i actually I, really like that personally because they bring it up later and the idea is like in the first class he went to they were like the the professor was like it's almost impossible for a deaf person to have a like a, a meaningful, meaningful relationship. relationship with someone who 
isn't deaf, and he was scared by that. And I thought that kind of added some complexity to the relationship. Yeah, a, a little bit, but I don't think that that ultimately paid off because, I mean, as soon as he tells her that he doesn't he he tells her like oh i i when i first saw you in the bar and the music was loud i almost didn't go up and talk to you because uh like what's the point of talking to a beautiful girl in a loud bar she's not even going to be able to hear me which first of all what and then he's like i didn't even know you were deaf but it's basically just like yeah you just saw somebody you don't know they're deaf so it was basically just like yeah i thought you were hot and she's really touched by that and that's all it takes for her <laughs> to forgive him it's like okay i'll come over and it's like oh okay so we have this little bit of emotional complexity with their relationship built up and then it's just like oh yeah they do play with it a little bit with the the final scene we should mention before we get into that that there are two endings for this movie yeah let's talk a little bit about that before we get into specifics yeah so they did a really interesting thing with this movie where in theaters they have two different endings of this movie and you don't know which one you're gonna get um which i think is a really cool gimmick i think it's interesting i'm wondering how motivated it is by trying to get people to go back for repeat viewings to get ticket prices again well considering they haven't advertised it i think not much i think it's just kind of a natural gimmick where like if you hear about it it's a word of mouth thing yeah but that can still be for publicity because well, yes, word of mouth yes, stuff yes, spreads absolutely. like that with absolutely. Easter eggs and things like that. Like as soon as somebody I think discovers that's super it, cool. And the fact that they're not like shoving it in your face is even cooler, in my opinion. Yeah, I no, I can agree with that. I, I think it's interesting. I feel like we got the better ending. Yes, from the from the description of the other one. Yeah. we didn't actually find it. We just read a, a, a written uh, description of it. Um, the only thing is, it seems to me that the endings don't, the alternative endings don't really change much. They basically have the same outcome. Yeah, well, they're very similar. Which in th that kind of kills the effect for me a little bit. I think it would have been cooler if the outcome of the film was totally different depending on the ending. It, it As it stands, it's basically just how does the main character die. And the ending we saw, he gets buried alive in a coffin and in the other one that we didn't see, he gets hit by a truck. Yeah, well, in the other one that we didn't get, they also vote on whether he should live or die. Yeah, that's which is that's an interesting. Interest, that's an interesting um, aspect. And in the and, one, and his girlfriend gets kidnapped in the other one. That yeah, we didn't see her fate is unknown. In, in, in uh, this one. It, yeah, in this one, I thought they brought the sign language thing full circle in the ending we got by you know every time he's trying to message his girlfriend from the coffin his mouth gets blurred out and every like text message he sends just automatically changes to i wish i knew sign language better yeah which uh which is cool because if he knew sign language better he'd be able to sign his way to getting help I mean, maybe they probably would have just blurred his hands like they blurred his mouth. Yeah. Um, the, that does get into the coffin thing gets into probably the most unrealistic aspect about the movie in that he he uses like a guide to sign to her to meet where they had their first kiss and she gets there or no, he gets there 
and this is like five minutes, five, ten minutes after, and there's already a completely dug grave with an open coffin in it, and someone comes up behind him and hits him over the head and buries him, but then five minutes later, when she shows up, the 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 grave is perfectly filled in, the soil is like, you know, pressed down, it doesn't even look like there was a hole there before. And I don't care what you say, there's no way any number of people could (laughs) dig and refill a hole so perfectly in such a short amount of time. Even hackers can't do that. In fact, hackers (laughs) probably are the worst at it. They hacked the ground. They hacked the ground, you guys. Uh, He he clipped out of area. (laughs) (laughs) like in fucking skyrim or something yeah he todd clipped him right into the ground yeah i thought that was the most far-fetched thing in the movie absolutely much um i did think it was kind of funny though (laughs) A, a little bit but it almost felt a bit insulting considering like how much they're trying to ground the rest of the film in reality and how much they're like, hey, last one was about internet ghosts. This one's not about internet ghosts, we promise. And then magically dug hole. Not by internet ghosts, by hacksaws. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah, I I think it was a little far-fetched, but like out of an otherwise very grounded movie which really surprised me yeah i would i would agree a lot all of the other stuff that seems particularly far-fetched in the rest of the movie is sort of explained away at the end by revealing that the whole thing was a setup to begin with and that there were lots of people involved yeah so the the more unbelievable things are kind of like okay well this was planned and they were working with a lot of people so they were able to make it happen happen yeah um it um, ultimately set it more in in the bounds of what could be real one question i want to pose for you is this genre of on computer films if they do more of these type of movies they already are which yeah they two, already are two more are coming out this year Two. Two. I know we got a trailer before the movie for this movie, Searching. Searching, which when they started showing the trailer, I thought that they were showing a preview for the movie that we were in the theater to see. Also, I just want to take a brief aside to talk about how I found our particular viewing experience uh, a really interesting balance of extremely blessed and extremely cursed. Extremely blessed in the sense that we were the only people in the theater, so we could talk as loud as we wanted, and I could openly vape, which, you know, as a millennial is uh, (laughs) something that I'm extremely into. Extremely cursed in the sense that every single seat in the theater was just a little bit wet. Just... Oh, I thought you were going to say extremely cursed because MoviePass wasn't working. Oh, yes. Also that. And (laughs) to to follow up on that curse, we paid actual money to go see this movie. We didn't use MoviePass because it was down. And then it went back up within an hour after the movie was over. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, extremely cursed viewing. Wet seats, no (laughs) MoviePass. But yeah, let's get into that a little bit more. The searching movie, yeah. it looks like a some sort of crime thriller um where he's like investigating by like interviewing all these other uh students that his daughter went to school with. Yeah, she's disappeared and he it seems starts discovering that she was not who he thought she was and that she was into some weird shit. Uh it's got John Cho in it. Uh, that movie looks kind of interesting. It looks okay. I think it looks kind of boring. Uh, I I don't know. I I kind of disagree. We'll 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 see when it comes out. I don't know if that'll be really prime material for this podcast, but I'm I'm at least curious enough. Yeah. What was the other? Um. Here, let me let me find it. I was just looking at it earlier. Oh, uh, something called Profile. Uh, which I've never heard of. Uh, okay. But it's also coming out this year, or maybe it already came out. 
Is but that like a direct to video? Because I haven't heard anything about a wide release for that or anything. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's. I think it might be a foreign production. Okay. So um, that, probably not an American. I'm, I, yeah, I'm looking at the IMDb. I I just in my basic scan. Uh, it's hard to tell, but it is the exact same gimmick. It's entirely uh, a screen capture um, of the computer. I'm looking at the cast, and it's nobody I've ever heard of. Um, Some I, sort of I think it's video. I think it's a UK production. But yeah, that that's also from this year. I don't even know if it's come out yet. Yeah, well, the the question I was going to pose originally was, do you think this genre of all-on-the-computer films has legs in a similar way to, for example, the found footage genre? With, you know, where it started with Blair Witch, where it's super indie but kind of picked up and had a lot of imitators and similar style movies from it. I don't know, honestly. I think it very much depends how this film does in the long run and how Searching does when it comes out. Because the thing about the found footage genre is the first film to really do it was Blair Witch, which is a fantastic film. Yeah, it had more of a an indie cult following at the beginning when it came out, but I don't know if certainly not the first unfriended and I don't know about this one. I can't say if it's going to have that same sort of uh like cult status later on and with the found footage film, you know, we had Blair Witch, then we had uh, Cloverfield, and then shortly after Paranormal Activity. Uh, and Cloverfield and Par- Paranormal Activity were really successful, uh, you know, whether you like them or not. They were extremely successful, and they really kicked off the, uh, like, super oversaturation of found footage films. Yeah. Like, they kicked off the trend. Blair Witch sort of blazed the trail years before but it wasn't until those movies that people were like, everybody's doing found footage. So well, I don't I don't know. I think we're going to have to, in order for this uh, screen sharing genre to take off, I think it's going to take a film that does it really exceptionally well. Well, I think this is almost one of the best examples of the possibilities of it. I think... Ultimately, this type of film will be more limited than the the scope of found footage, only because I think inherently the medium is more limited with what you can do with it. Um, because you're only sharing screens, right? And at you're a certain using point, webcams and stuff. At a certain point, I feel like they're just going to be telling the same story over and over again. Yeah, and that's why I think I mean, even... But in fairness, I that's kind of what found footage films do. Like, yeah, A lot but, of found footage films follow the exact same formula. Yeah, that's true, but you can, in terms, especially in genre, you can do a lot of different things and within found footage. For, you and know? set pieces, Yeah, and set sure. pieces. Yeah. Where it, it can still be very cinematic, even if it's found footage. Whereas with a genre like this, inherently it's not going to feel cinematic. Inherently, you know, like, it's going to be kind of lo-fi, it's going to be uh, very internet-heavy, stuff like that. I think- and inherently, it's going to be all within the time span of the movie's duration. Right. I think also, inevitably, we can expect to see a movie that's like this, except instead of being from a computer, it's from a phone. Hmm. I I think I think we're going to see that and it'll still be doing like the Skype thing or FaceTime or whatever and that's how they'll get around at least to an extent the limitation of being in like a room at your computer. I think they're going to be like, "Ah, oh, something's happening. I'm FaceTiming the whole thing while I'm talking to somebody. Oh, got to send a text message." I I think I think that's inevitable. Really? I I, I- 
can't see that honestly only because phones are you know portrait and yeah in terms inherently, of, in terms of like, aspect ratio i don't know how it's gonna work yeah but. inherently i don't know how easy that would be to to do in a way that makes sense well i'll what i'll say is if this genre of films continues if it doesn't just burn out within the next year or so i think that is inevitable you know i think that biggest thing that worries me about that searching film now that i think about it is they have this story where he's interviewing a ton of different people and trying to discover the truth but inherently because it's all through his computer in real time it's only over the span of like an hour and a half do you think it's gonna be in real time though i kind of don't i I think i think it's gonna cut i feel like it's gonna be him uh recording his search so i think it's gonna cut from every time i feel like it has to cut it has to cut but at the same time at that point why even do it in that style gimmick yeah that's it it. exactly i i I don't i would be very surprised if searching is in real time maybe maybe it will be i i kind of doubt it too but like i feel like if you're not in real time you're kind of wasting the gimmick maybe and i feel I like will... maybe that's just me like having this very limited view of how to use you know the screen share i will say medium. that i will say that if it's a film where the investigation itself revolves around using the internet then this format is the best way to do it much more so than having a more traditionally cinematically shot film where it's just john cho sitting on his computer typing and having the camera looking at the computer and doing stuff like that i think if it's really about using the internet as the primary uh platform for the investigation this is the best way to do it i'm curious i don't know i can't say whether that movie is going to be good or bad i mean i like john cho i think it has the potential to go either way i think you're right it'll either be boring or it it might be it might be really tense who knows i guess we're just gonna have to see when it comes out uh that being said i think this new unfriended is probably one of the best executed movies in the style i mean there haven't been many others besides you know like short films and stuff but it makes me excited to see more in this style and hopefully they continue i yeah i'm i'm curious we'll see as long as they find new and creative ways to keep it fresh i just i don't want to i don't want to see the same film every time yeah yeah well if you uh if they keep making unfriended movies after this because i think this one did make some money yeah i think so too um, i could see this well being... and it was a very low budget too this movie only cost like a million dollars to make i mean that's something that i think is inherent to the style is it doesn't cost a lot of money to have people sitting in front of webcams yeah do you think unfriended is Blumhouse's new Paranormal Activity. Because Paranormal Hmm. Activity has totally burned itself out at this point. I think it could be. Um, I don't think the success is on the same level. Oh, definitely not. uh, They're low-budget movies that have been making a profit. I think if they continue making unfriended movies, and this is the question I was going to pose to you, but I, it's more of a discussion point at this point. If they continue making them, I think the only way to do it would be like an anthology type of thing where like the first one ghosts, the second one hackers, the third one they do something different. You know, and each movie they do something completely different with it. Yeah. Don't tie it together. Oh, Just do yeah. it in the same medium. Yeah, I... I think that would probably be the smartest, but honestly, like off the top of my head, outside of internet ghosts and hacksaws, what else could they do? I mean, if it's all internet based, if you're going strictly realism, it has to be hackers, and if you're going supernatural, it has to be ghosts. I mean, you can aliens. Do- 
you could do other than dark web. You could get, do someone getting doxxed and someone, you know. Do a political drama about the Russian hackers and <laughs> the election. Yeah. I, I think there's some more things you could do with it. I, I think it would be somewhat similar in that it would still be hackers probably, but it wouldn't have to be dark web hackers. Yeah. You could do things with social media gone awry. You could do... There's a lot of options. See, my um, concern is knowing Blumhouse, they're going to take the dark web thing and they're going to run with it. The next one, if there is a next one, is going to be somehow related to this same group of, well, of Sharons. I mean, something. I thought the same thing with this one no it's true i thought they're i thought they were gonna go back to ghosts you never know they never Um, know it's blumhouse is a very interesting production company in the sense that they're extremely unpredictable yeah mostly trash but every now and then they kind of they kind of hit a they kind of hit a home run. They sure did with Get Out. Yeah, I mean definitely. that's that's more to do with uh, Jordan Peele than Blumhouse. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I think I overall enjoyed this movie. Um, I I can't say that it really blew me away, but I was very pleasantly surprised with how cleverly it was written and the acting was pretty good yeah it was far better than i was expecting yeah and like for a movie of this style it was pretty great (laughs) honestly like most movies in the style in terms of like you know blumhouse horror movies usually just have shit acting yeah and this was not the case this was no they they got people who had actually acted in things before so, you know, kudos to them for that. And visually, they did some interesting stuff, and, like, the kills were creative and stuff I hadn't seen before. So I can give them all pluses for that. Um, I do think that parts of this movie were very boring, at least for me. But, uh, you know, I might, you know, just be the only one who who thinks that was the case. Throw a rating on the, the end of that. Throw a little bit more if you want to say anything else, but... No, I think I can go ahead and rate this. Uh, I feel like I've, you know, kind of gotten my feelings out there. Um, I think I'm going to give this a, a three and a half out of five pods. Pretty decently enjoyable. Um, drags at times, but uh, it... It definitely gets props for for creativity and doing some things that I actually have not seen before and taking its medium and telling a good story within its medium. Or I should say utilizing its gimmick in the way that its gimmick should be utilized. So, yeah, three and a half out of five for me. Yeah, well, I am going to actually be in complete agreement with you. This is a strong three and a half for me. It's actually pretty incredible what they accomplished with this movie. I went in with rock-bottom expectations. Oh, my God, same. I thought this movie was going to be even dumber than the first one. Uh, It turns out it was much more clever in every respect. Um, The story was interesting, kept me involved throughout. The acting was great. They fixed a lot of the the frustrations I had with the first one. I still do think the medium the story was told in, while the story was best told through this medium, the medium is kind of limited in what you can do with it because... It's all on the computer, so you can only do so much between right. security cameras and webcams and stuff. But I think they did the best you can do with that medium, especially in the genre they're working in. And I think even the the sillier things, like the grave digging stuff <laughs> or 
the uh, the black Facebook messages that like shook themselves out of the 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 chat. Were yeah, fun. I like how they deleted themselves after they were typed, so nobody else could see. It. Yeah, I thought, that, I, I thought that was cool. I thought the, that was fun. The visual stuff that they did in this movie uh, with the the hacking and like the dark web was, I think, one of its stronger suits. Yeah, um, but yeah, overall, it's a really solid movie. Um, I would definitely recommend it. Honestly, like, I don't know if I would recommend it in the theaters. Honestly, yeah, I would I probably recommend I, I seeing this on, like, a laptop or on your computer. Because I feel like watching it on an actual computer screen... Could... Yeah, that might contribute to the would to the experience, be more actually. Yeah, yeah I, I think I would agree. It's, it's, a de- it's a pretty decent film but not one that you absolutely have to see in the theater. Like, you can wait for for a VOD release of this. It's built to watch on a computer screen. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, okay, so that's a uh, unanimous three and a half out of five pods for Unfriended the Dark Web. Now, I want to do something a little bit special, and I want to introduce a new segment to... Our horror podcast, the pod people that we do. Surprise. This is a segment that I am currently calling Metacritic Corner. Cue music sting. Now, what I'm going to be doing for Metacritic Corner is, I don't know if I'm going to do this for every movie we watch, but I'm going to find the best slash worst review of the movie we're talking about on Metacritic, <laughs> where an, a, a viewer, not a professional critic, gives gets really outraged at the movie, and I'm going to read it. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> okay, so I've already found one for this. Are, are you ready? I, I don't want you to look at the screen, because okay, I don't, I don't okay. want you to read ahead. But um, Are uh, you going to include mistypings? Uh, yeah, I'm going to read it phonetically, and that includes... <laughs> uh, yes. This one's not too bad phonetically, but I am going to make an effort to uh, find a way to vocalize the use of all caps at times oh god okay. okay so this is a uh a review for unfriended the dark web uh this person gave this movie a zero out of ten here we go it is so unbelievable how these movies get made today they must have some real imbeciles working at the studios 20 somethings who think that anything scary or involving the internet will sell Ugh. The first 20 minutes? Skip. Nothing. (laughs) 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 Nothing happens. And spoiler, the entire movie is an annoying computer screen simulation. Just what audiences want to see when they go to the movies. Another screen top. Ugh. Due to the constraining vehicle, you never get to know or care about any of the characters. And like the internet experience itself, the audience feels detached. Thus, nothing is scary or frightening. Except the fact that you can't turn this screen off. Walking out is required. Only saving grace. I didn't pay to see this movie. I paid to see Equalizer 2, but didn't like the seat. So so this piece of trash instead. If I could track down the director, I'd personally take a leak on his shoe. <laughs> what? The movie could have played somewhat better had they cut away from the goddamn computer screen. God, that is incredible. Imagine going to see Equalizer 2 and hating your seat so much that you go to see Unfriended Dark Web, hating it even more, 
and still sitting through the whole movie. <laughs> my my favorite thing about this too is that they think that since they paid for Equalizer 2 but ended up going to see Unfriended, that they didn't pay for Unfriended. <laughs> you still paid for it. They didn't sit through Equalizer and then go see Unfriended for free. They got up from one movie and went to another one. They still paid for it. <laughs> my my favorite part though is the first 20 minutes skip <laughs> oh my god incredible fucking oh excellent um so i hope you've enjoyed the first ever metacritic corner this is something that i'm looking forward to doing again in the future if i can find a good one for every movie we watch you best fucking believe that i'm gonna do it This will bring us to the end of our Unfriended Dark Web episode. If you like the show, be sure to take a few seconds to leave us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can follow the show on social media at Facebook and Twitter at PodPeoplePod. Uh, engage with us on there. Send us an email if you like, PodPeoplePod at gmail.com. Follow us on Letterboxd for a list of all of the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and a link to those episodes. Uh, if you liked this episode specifically and you haven't heard our back catalog, go back and listen to episode two uh, where we talk about horror and the internet and we uh, do a review of the first Unfriended. As well as maybe one of the worst movies we've watched <sighs> oh on this God. podcast. I think probably the worst movie, uh, Fear.com. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, check that out if you haven't. Um, here are thoughts on that as, uh, compared to this one. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. And I'm at Mr. Sheets. Thank you for listening. Um, the show is produced and scored by Ben and edited by me. I forgot to say that on like the last five episodes that we've done. Um, what are we doing next week? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Surprise episode next week. Yeah, we haven't planned it yet, but there will be an episode next week. Uh, so stay tuned to be surprised. Um, thanks again for listening. I'm Matisse Van Rossum. And I'm Ben Sheets. Stay off the internet. Don't get hacked. Don't get hacked.